We want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs are not disclosed? Would I be better off with a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct a portfolio audit which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. try this again. Uh, thanks again to the Norden Group. Uh, always happy to have them along. You you might have heard there, we had uh, a different voice. I didn't go through reverse puberty. We have <laughs> a special guest here today for the first time ever. Um, we are joined uh, by my fiance, Tessa. Hello. Tessa, uh, really quick, uh, uh, introduce yourself. I'm Tessa. <laughs> All right. Should we jump right in? T- Tessa, uh, Tessa and I have been together for about six and a half years. She is going to become my lifelong writing partner in 31 days. And we're here to give Dan the business while he tries to educate us about cycling. Yes. I'm very excited to be here. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Dan, uh, lots of exciting race weekend news to run over really quick here. We had um, a really, really impressive performance from one of my very favorite people on the team down at the I Cup in Cedar City. Oh, thanks, Joe. That means a lot. I did have a great race. Yeah, yes, Dan. I was talking about you there. No, you were down there too? (laughs) (laughs) No, we had an awesome turnout at Cedar City. A lot of our best riders were there. We just had lots and lots of good riders, lots of fast people there. It was super fun, big group, um, but super brutal conditions. Like Really? What were they dealing with? You know, and I I was actually going to ask you a question, you know, a, a technical question. Okay, hit me. What is the best tire for sand? Ooh, Tessa, do you want to take this one? <laughs> uh, an Aspen. No, not quite. I think that's totally wrong, Tessa. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I would say probably like a, I, I rode a recon last time I was down in Cedar City, and I, I liked it quite a bit. I think it's a little too burly for most of the riding that we do around here, but in sand, I didn't mind it. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I, I know low tire pressure is good, but apparently bald aspens aren't the best thing out there. So. Really? A bald aspen is not the yeah, best for sand? that's what I discovered. I Can you I, defend that position, Dan? No, like it was, it was super, super like sandy, dry, and really, really like lots of people. Like, you know, one time I talked, I was talking to a, a buddy that was like, he had his pro license as a downhill racer. Well, Kyle, you know, you remember Kyle. Oh yeah. Ky- yeah. Kyle was, uh, I, yeah. I was trying to see if they could get him to a clinic for some of our guys. He's like, you know what? All you need to do is tell him, always keep your front tire on the trail. Yeah. And I guess that's true. And and like at Cedar city, if your front tire got off the trail, you were in deep sand and you were crashing. I think there was just carnage everywhere. Like people were just crashing everywhere. And Josh Flukiger had a really like cut up his elbow really bad. Shoot. The, um, the other Gibbon that didn't win, he 
he crashed and um should we start some beef here the slow gibbon <laughs> no no he crashed and he crashed pretty good and, and it was is he okay he's okay but he had to he had to sit under a tree for a while and josh flukiger stayed with them and um but like there were a couple of people that got like had to go off on an ambulance not from our team serious? but but yeah like it was really the conditions were really really interesting it was really really like so i crashed while i was out there and and it really like okay so i i finally finished the climb and then there's some switchbacks at the top i went around the second switchback and i just completely washed my front tire out it twists my handlebars i got up tried to twist them back you know and when they're kind of a little bit twisted off skew a little bit of messy up you know i get to the next switch back i crashed on it too like i crashed twice what what i would give to have been able to see that and just play that on a replay again and again and again yeah if you could well never mind really quick i'd like to say i feel insensitive uh for saying the slower gibbon after hearing that he crashed i'd like to reiterate that both of the gibbons are two they, of the they, most incredible they would have riders. finished together had the one not crashed I which was sad to do that which was sad to not see him together so your comment was very not funny. Very insensitive. I'm yeah. so sorry. No, I, yeah. I so, Well, yeah, it's okay. Tessa, Tessa, can I ever be insensitive? Um, when are you not? <laughs> so race, it was, though. yeah. And you know, and it, the, the finish was kind of funny because, um, so Colin and Gabe or, or Oliver, uh, were, were finishing about the same time. Um, Colin was just a little bit ahead of Oliver, so Colin kind of thought he won, but apparently um, Oliver had started later. Oh, really? So Colin further got back in the, the group. line first, but Gabe's time was... Yeah. Was it Gabe or Oliver, the one again? I'm so um, sorry. I think it was Oliver. I know that you're both individuals who have first-person consciousness, but I confuse you. So we'll, we'll, we'll assume it was Oliver who won because he was... His, over his time, time was, was barely faster, so... So be, Colin was a little bummed about that, but they, Colin. yeah, but they were, they rode together the whole time. It was just kind of, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Good yeah, racing. One, we two, had three. That's a bummer. We, huh? Yeah. We, um, Dane Cowan was also on the podium. Um, our, our JV boys killed it. Like, um, Andrew Preston just was like walking away from everything. Like he was in a completely different race than the rest of his group. Um, we had lots of girls out there racing. Um, they all did just awesome. Really, really good group. I was super proud of our, our crew out there. There was a time a while ago when the Maybird girls were kind of owning things. I was like, guys, you got to step up. The guys are stepping up. We're getting these results, man. This is exciting to see. NICA will, NICA will be good this year. Yeah, it's going to be great. So well, that's very exciting. You know, it was, it was super fun. I have to shout out a couple of there. I think they're actually your guys. Um, Evan Keller and, and Landon Jacob. Evan Evan and Landon have been to like every single ride that I've held. They have so much enthusiasm. They're 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 my boys. You know, and they have like you know how I've always said I can never really predict who's gonna catch on fire in this sport. Yeah. Like you know, when those guys just start out, they're just kinda normal normal Nike kids yep. that you know, somehow caught the the bug and they're just getting awesome. But um I'm always able, even though this isn't usually the best advice, I always am able to get them to go on a post-race ride with me so I can get Amy to go because she hates to just ride with me. And it was kind of funny because um, we, and, and they went on one when we were in St. George and they went on one out, we rode some of those trails out in Cedar City, which are just awesome. Oh, I love, have you, you've ridden the in East, Cedar City The east us, side right? of the freeway okay. trails are just amazing. 
I always say it's kind of like if Park City and St. George had a baby, that's what it would look like. It was, <laughs> it was, it was just super cool. But, but I get them to ride, so Amy will ride with me because Amy I, he just hates riding alone with me. It's it's always more. fun. I mean, so do Ryan. I. Like you know, yeah. you gotta have someone but, else there, right? But it was funny because um, Evan was talking about how funny you are, which kind of upset Amy. And are so, you, oh, really? So Amy. <laughs> proceeded to give a list of 10 reasons why she doesn't like Joe. <laughs> hey, I've got that list too. For, and for reasons 11 through 20, we're going to turn the time over to Tessa. <laughs> and it was pretty funny. And do you know what reason number one was, Joe? Oh, what? The number one reason was that you're not funny. <laughs> so... You know, Joe's a lot of things, but that's the one thing he is, is funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, Amy doesn't think so, so. Well, that probably means I'm actually funny. So um, that that's good. I'm, it was I'm, pretty funny. Was, was Evan swayed? Does he think I'm not funny anymore? Did Amy make a good You know, argument? he might like you less than he did before. Is that but... possible? <laughs> so. I love it. Anyhow, guys. it was a super fun weekend. I, you know, those races are great. Um, just, it was just brutal. Everyone that finished the race was just dead. A an interesting thing is a lot of our racers, especially our girls that raced, also raced Mesa Verde the weekend before. Oh gosh. So that's that's kind of brutal. Hopefully they're taking a couple days to rest and feel better. But oh, how did Riker Brand do? He was my other boy. I I don't know if I had oh, others down there. He said he, this was like one of his peak races. He was really excited for he it. He was he looked awesome. In fact, he passed me as you do. As yeah, okay. And, that's a given. And <laughs> he was moving forward. I got it. <laughs> And as he passed me, he goes, I love you, Dan. I love Riker, man. Yeah, he looked, I, he looked any, good out there. If any of my other boys were down there, we don't have time to shout all of you out. But but yeah, those those are like, they're, they're kind of like, Evan and, and Landon and Riker have been to like every single ride, man. And yeah, your just, boys your boys were well represented out there. I love, love my we boys. Had, and just we had tons of the gold girls out there and tons of the black diamond girls. And yeah, it was, it was yeah, we basically ran out of food and water almost. We had so many people, so. Dude, that's what I love to hear. No, yeah. no muffins in the Draper household this week. Sorry, Joe. Dang. Well, um, we have some world cycling news I'd like to go over, and I'm going to have a quiz. Um, I have questions for you, and I have questions uh, for Tessa. Um, uh, and I guess to, to kick things off here, Tessa, I have a question for you um, first. What is the biggest bike race that's going on right now that I've been waking up early every single morning to watch? The Giro. Yeah, there you go. All right, Tessa got hers correct, Dan. Let's yeah. see if let's see if you can keep it up here, Dan. The um, the big news at the Giro this week uh, was that world champion and race favorite Remco Evenepoel had to drop out. Why? Because of COVID. Because of COVID. Yeah, a real bummer. It was interesting. Remco on the first stage just stomped everybody, completely destroyed everybody. Um, about a week later, they had the second time trial. And he won, but only by a single second. And people can tell in the, in the race interviews, he looked pale and sweaty and just like, you know, mm -hmm. he, he was he was kind of expected to win by 30 seconds or a minute and to only win by one second. Everyone was like, what's wrong with Remco? And then that night, Quicksep uh, said that he'd tested positive for COVID and they're immediately pulling him out of the race. They don't want to ruin him. Um, so he is um, going to uh, be focusing on defending his, uh, his rainbow stripes now. World Championship is going to be his number one goal for this season. But... Someone is trying to pull him away, and this is a question for you, Tessa. Following his exit from the Giro, which two-time Tour de France winner invited uh, Remco Evenepoel to challenge him at the Tour this year? You, this, is, this, is, this is the one name you know. Dan, oh. wait, wait, let's see. What, give, 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 try? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You, I know she knows his name. Who is it, Dan? 
Is it Tade? Tade Pogachar, yeah. Oh. Went on Twitter and said, you know, come at me, bro. You know, like, like let's let's have a, a head-to-head. You know, I think they're the two best cyclists in the world right now. The quick step said no. Um, they're, they're already sending a, a kind of mixed sprint team built around Jakobsen and Alaphilippe to the tour this year. But they're saying maybe 2024. So that's exciting. Um, the, the Giro this week has been uh, good. For those of you watching, you've seen it's been pretty breakaway dominated. Um, I think we've had like two or three stages actually came down to a sprint. But for the most part, um, uh, guys getting away in the break. You know, we had um, uh, a really fun one this morning. This is the last question for both of you guys here. Whoever gets it first. Irishman Ben Healy was second place. Uh, in today's stage. He won a stage earlier in the week. He's kind of been one of the heroes of this year's Giro. Um, Ben Healy rides for the team that has the coolest kits in the Giro this year. Which team? Is it education? Yes. Oh, Oh, that that was kind of both of you. I'm going to give that one to Tessa because I like her more. Um, (laughs) If you haven't seen these EF, have you seen the EF kits? The EF kits are always awesome. The EF kits are always awesome. Tessa, you you can describe the, the EF kits this year. Yeah, they always just have really like good colors. I feel like is like the focal point of their kits. But I feel like Joe Joe always shows me like different kit designs. We, we play hot or not? Yeah, and he asks me which ones look the best, and he says like I'm the most critical person when it comes to every everything. single kit. She's like ugly, boring, awful, <laughs> ugly. I hate it. Ew. But uh, uh, there's is good every time. And and this one, it's interesting. They've they're using or they're claiming to use the recycled scraps from other kits. So it's a bunch of colors that don't really look like they go together. Every panel of the jersey is a different color, but they look so cool. So um, I'm trying to resist going onto Rafa's website. It's like the Cotopaxi of kits. A little bit. Oh yeah. Totally. It kind of is, huh? Anyway, that is uh, my news for the week. Dan, what are we talking about today? Oh, we're already to this point. Wow. We're already here. That's all the news I've got. Okay. No World Cups or anything. So today, I wanted to talk about the Goldilocks principle. And I, I think most people are familiar with the Goldilocks principle. Are you, Joe? I mean, I know the Goldilocks story. You know, that one bed's too soft, one's too hard, one's too right. You know, one's too right. One's just right. One's just right. Um, the, the the porridge is too hot. It's too cold. It's just right. It, it's kind of, are we talking about moderation or is that not? Yeah, quite basically. It? Yeah. The Goldilocks principle is, is about kind of either about sweet spots or moderation. Okay. Um, I'm good with moderation, right, Tessa? <laughs> yeah, you're definitely don't <laughs> yeah. do anything. <laughs> and, and Joe, even though this might sound like it, this whole topic isn't necessarily directed just at you. Is this an intervention? A little bit. So, <laughs> Joe, we've brought you here today to talk about <laughs> this is your probably, cycling and your LaCroix addictions. Uh, well, and pretty much every other thing Joe's ever gotten into. <laughs> no. Um, I'm not a fan of half measures, guys. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's the Goldilocks principle. It's basically, you know, just, just avoiding extremes in one direction or the other, you know, like extremes are usually not good. You know, they're either unsustainable or they can be dangerous or they can be annoying. You listening to this, Joe? The searing eye contact Dan was making with me while he said that just pierced my soul. So, (laughs) and adding the and annoying at the end was, was a nice touch. Thanks Dan. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so I, I, this weekend I was kind of thinking about our podcast, you know, and I, a lot of what we say during this podcast, I think, is really kind of intended for people that don't actually ever listen to this podcast. 
we, we joke that the people who need this podcast the most are the ones who have never heard of it. Yes. Um, you know, and, and or at least don't listen to it. Because I thought about, you know, all the times we've kind of said and, and come, you know, when we're wrapping things up and, and, and coming up with a conclusion to our pot, like a lot of times we basically come to the conclusion that, you know, you just need to ride more. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's probably the case. But there might be people that actually do listen to this podcast that that's not necessarily the case. You know, there are some people that, that listen, you know, listening to this that ride too much. I'm not including myself, Tessa, as she looks at me there. <laughs> Burnout's a real thing, too. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we've, we've, how many, how many burnout episodes have we done, Dan? I'm getting burned out of doing them. But are we getting burned <laughs> out of it? That's pretty meta. We're getting meta in this podcast. Yeah. We're burned out so, of burnout episodes. So, yeah. And so that's kind of what, what we're talking about today, you know, is, is more always better. And, and, um, you know, and the thing is, is like a lot of the cyclists I've known and I've worked with, it seems like people are either hot or they're cold. They're completely on or they're completely off. And and it almost seems like a lot of kids once they start realizing that they're that they're just doing too much and they're just rather than just kind of backing off to a more appropriate amount, they just kind of switch off completely and and kind of kind of just stop doing it, you know. And and so hopefully with this we kind of we you know, my my hope with this is we just kind of teach how moderation is is the way to go. Um so you know, if you're not doing enough, that's a problem. If you're doing too much, that's also a problem. And like one of my favorite analogies about the sport, and I've used this before, so I apologize to those who've heard it before, is just the water fight analogy. Um, I'm not familiar with it. You're this not familiar idea. with it? Okay. So is it water fights are fun unless you didn't say we could have one? Like, how, well, So here, here's, here's the water fight analogy. Have, if you've ever been in a water fight, that you didn't want to be in and you're reluctant to be in it and, and you don't get that into it, they're not fun at all. But if you're in a water fight and you go all in and you really get into it, it's a ton of fun. But being a reluctant water fighter isn't, isn't fun. Should we put that on our jerseys next year? Reluctant water fighter. (laughs) Yeah. So band name, I don't know. Band name. There you go. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of how this sport is, you know, like, like if you, if you're not really into it, it's, it's, it's painful and it's hard and it's expensive and well, it's hard to get people into it. You know, like that's the challenge. I'm sure a lot of parents listening to this have the one kid who just won't do it. You know, you, you, you take little Johnny out every single time he hates it. It's a death march the whole time he's whining about it. Sometimes his name's Joe and you have to bribe him with frosty waffle cones. Um, but yeah, like mountain biking's not fun until it's the funnest thing ever, right? Like it's there's really an in between. <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, so you kind of have to get into it to a certain level for it to actually be fun and to be enjoyable. Otherwise, it's just kind of a drudgery, and not everyone actually gets to that point. And you know, but then you can you can also you can also take it too far to extremes. And so I just wanted to tell a little, you know, just a personal story. Um, you know, I had to close my business like about 10 years. It was one of the hardest things I ever did. It was a business I had for about 10 years and I had to close it about 10 years ago. And I remember, you know, when, when things were, when the economy was bad and things started getting really bad, you know, we had lost most of our workers and this huge project came up that I thought could save our company. 
But the problem is I didn't have a whole lot of people to take on this big project. So I decided to do most of the work myself. And I was working insanely early until insanely late every night. When the project was finally done after, you know, after several weeks of just working 14 hour days, um, we loaded everything up and, and drove it up to Oregon and I just I got, remember this, <laughs> uh, you know, and I brought the family along. We kind of turned it into a little family vacation. But when I was driving back, I was just so exhausted and it just took so much out of me that that's when I kind of just decided, you know what, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. This, that was too much, you know, and, and so you can, you know, there's not doing enough and then there's doing too much, but then there's kind of a happy medium, kind of a Goldilocks in between that we really all kind of need to achieve to make whatever we're doing sustainable. So, um, so is more better? Depends on who you are. Yeah, it really depends, you know? And I think for, for most high school writers, you know, the, the JV, C, D, E writers probably just aren't writing enough. You know, they, they do need to ride more and they can certainly handle riding more. They might have to adjust their schedules a little bit or whatever to, to be able to ride more. But there are maybe some listening to this podcast that might be doing a little bit too much and that could be, you know, uh, yeah. might not be sustainable. As a beginner, do you think that there is such a thing as doing like writing too much? Because for me, I'm just trying to get out as much as possible. Well, yeah, I mean, you do have to gradually increase the, your volume. You know, so I mean, if a beginner started out doing 15 hours a week, that would be too much. Um, but most beginners just can't do that. Like, like practically speaking, that rarely that, happens. Yeah. I, right. Like it usually takes a couple of years to have the skills to ride a bike enough to like get into a dangerous place. Right. And I do think for most beginners, they kind of can't ride too much. You know, just I, I think this is more something that like, you know, obviously a beginner shouldn't try to ride as much as their buddy who's been doing it for five years is doing, you know, you have to gradually build up to a certain point, but, um, so yeah, beginners can ride too much, but they probably aren't. If you're listening to this and you're in your first year of riding, odds are you're not riding too much. Don't, don't sweat. And and the, the really tricky bit with this is though, if there is somebody listening to this who's writing too much, they're probably in denial about the fact that they're writing too much. There's there's rarely like Are self- you talking about yourself? No. Dude, that's funny. No. Like, I'm I'm still not writing. Like, when we talk about, like, I, I guess, what is too much you for... Wrote, you had three rides yesterday. They were little rides. Don't... <laughs> this isn't about me. This is about someone else. Um, <laughs> I feel like so attacked. Um, I've got, you know... Usually it's just Dan making fun of me. Now I've got it coming from two directions. Um, for somebody, for that JVA, right, at the Varsity Rider... Um, you know, maybe, maybe she got into it four or five years ago, has a big old base put together, doing really well. Is there a number that's too much where you see the number and you start to worry? Is it, is it personal? Like, how do you decide when it becomes, you know, stops being impressive and starts becoming concerning? Yeah. And obviously the answer is it depends, you know, but you know, when we talked about overtraining before the, the definition we gave is that overtrainings when your your training chronically exceeds your ability to recover and adapt from it you know and so you know if if you've got a lifestyle that allows that that's kind of low stress and a lot of things are taken care of for you and 
you know, you're not, you don't have a whole lot of other things on your plate. You can probably handle a lot bigger training load than someone that's working two jobs and involved in five other sports and piano lessons and, you know, kids are taking care of. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean like a pro's life, they keep those pretty simple and they basically ride their bikes and that's about it, you know, so they can handle bigger loads and recover from them. But like us, normal people with like jobs and other obligations, you know, we, we can't handle that. So, you know, so it really depends on your circumstances. It depends on, you know, some people genetically can recover faster than other people. So, so yeah, there's really not like a number that's once you exceed this number, it's bad or, you know, it really depends on the person for some people that could be six hours or eight hours and other people, it could be a lot more than that. For those out there that don't know that they're doing too much are there any like signs or things that they should look for that tell them maybe i'm doing this too much or going over the top yeah that's a good question we did um talked about this a lot on the overtraining episode that we did but um you know i i think usually the biggest indicator that you're doing too much is 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 you increase what you're doing if you're getting better then it's good but if you keep increasing it and then you start to not do better, then you've probably gone too far. Like there's, um, you know, you talk about like diminishing returns. I think there's like diminishing returns. And then there's the next step, which I don't know if I made this up or not, but it's detrimental returns. Like negative returns. Yeah. Right? Like where, um, you know, so like, like say you're writing one day a week, like that's, not the worst thing. You yeah, know? I mean, it's good for you. Yeah, you know. it's good. It's fun. Yeah. Better than nothing. Yep. You know, you, say you bump that up to two days a week. That's like twice as good. The Nike special. I think yeah. eight, 90% of Nike kids ride two days a week. Yeah. Would be my guess. I think most of them ride one day a week. Really? I think so. I would. Okay. I think the, the kids that ride two days a week are the kids that are doing pretty well. So you think if you're riding two days a week, you're probably you're in the top mid pack, mid pack okay. JVB or something. Got it. You know, okay. you do you're doing fine. Um, three days a week, you know, you're yeah, that's that's better, definitely, without a doubt. Uh, four days a week, even better. You know, five days a week, probably better. You know, um, six days a week. Um, get getting tricky. You got maybe occasionally. Yeah, I would certain times of the year. I would say during you know if you're building up for something, you know, six days a week is could be better. It was something I wouldn't do all year long or all season long. Seven days a week is not good at all. Like that's going to cause problems. I would say when you're in the six and seven days a week range, you know you're those extra days are going to do more to damage your fitness than, than help. Don't you need days to recover too? Aren't those important? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we, we talk a lot about recovery and, and recovery is when, I mean, when you, when you get faster, it makes it possible to, to sustain what you're doing and so forth. So yeah, you, yeah. Doing it every single day is just pointless, if not bad. So T- you know, Tess is just looking at me over here like, yeah, see, you know, you can take a day off a week, right? So, yeah, this this 
podcast is dedicated to. <laughs> this I'm, I'll, I'll figure out a funny way to reference myself in the title, like Joe's Joe's training intervention Joe's or intervention. something. But no, but the so, thing is, like, I'm not doing like I might write every day, but I'm only writing an hour and a half. Yeah, you know, because things are busy. Because we're I, I I know of kids who are doing five or six days a week, two or three hours a, a piece. Like that's. Mm-hmm. probably too much for a non-professional. And I would say as far as, I think hours is probably, and, and you know, you'd have to take intensity into account too, because Joe tends to maybe write a little bit too intensely all the time. Um, we, we've, we've talked about, I've, I've like passively, aggressively dealt with that on every other episode, so we won't. Some idiots listening to this might ride too hard all the time and be in denial about it. But for those fools, I'd say just enjoy being slow if that's all you can handle. Right? Is is this? Yeah. So, but as far as hours go, I think hours is a really good way to kind of maybe can compare how much people are doing. You know, um, like if you're just writing four hours a week, you know that's better than nothing. If you're right, you know, eight hours is probably pretty good for most high school athletes. Um, Twelve to fifteen, I think, is about the sweet range for you know, like a, a, a top level varsity athlete. Um, I think going over 15 and, you know, when you're getting to the twenties, I personally think that's just too much for a high school writer. Um, maybe occasionally, you know, you could have a week here and there, like a training camp or something where you really kind of empty yourself out. But then, you know, that would have to be followed up by additional recovery. But I think, I think 12 to 15 hours for most high school athletes is plenty. Like if you can't, you know, once you start getting over there, you're not going to notice a huge difference between 15 hours and 20 hours. And my guess for most people, it's probably going to be too much and going to just kind of make you slower. I guess I mean, because it does make sense. Like, and, and I'm curious, practically speaking, because it's easy to say, don't write too much, don't write too little, write in between. Like practically speaking, for somebody listening to this, if you think you're writing too much or too little, what are you doing practically to to correct that and get into the Goldilocks zone? Yeah, because as I mentioned earlier, most of the writers I've I've dealt with, like they're either completely on, completely on board, completely on fire, completely excited, or they're kind of like done and they're just pulling they're, teeth to get them to show up to a ride. Yeah, you know, and there's 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 like nothing in between. And um, you know, my hope is that, and I, I mentioned this earlier, but my hope is people learn how to just to just find a good, healthy, sustainable balance and, and not swing too far one way or the other way, just something that can be maintainable and sustainable. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of talk lately has been about the importance of consistency. I know trainer road, that's kind of what they, what they preach is consistency, consistency, consistency. And I, I do agree with that, but I do have an issue with consistency. I think there's got to be a better term for it because like if you only ride once a year, you know, if you ride every Labor Day, that's being consistent, but it's not enough and you're not going to get very fast. You know, if you ride once a week, that's also very consistent, but it's not enough. And, you know, and like if you're riding every single day, that's consistent, but it's too much and you're not going to do well. So I don't, I don't, I, I seldom use the term cons- even though I totally agree with it because I think running hot and cold is bad. I don't think that that's good, but I think there's something, I think there's a better term to use than consistency. And, and I really like to think of it as discipline because, 
you know, like with a, with a season of cycling, there's supposed to be kind of ebbs and flows. There's times where you're going to like, you know, you're working for a peak event where you're going to be putting in more volume. And then there's time like times after a race or something that you need to put in less, you need to recover, you need to rebuild, you need to recollect. And, and it's almost like your season comes in waves, you know, should naturally come in, come in waves, you know, like, cause you're saying you don't like the word consistency and I was trying to decide what I like more. I almost thought rhythm. You know, because you do have, because I, like, I don't ride consistently all through the year. There's, the winter happens. Yeah. I, you can only do so much, you know, and I, I was kind of talking about, like, the rhythm of the cycling season where you have, you know, it kind of reaches its peak in late summer when every single trail's dry. You're doing all these big, epic Saturday rides, and Nike is happening, you know, and then as things get colder, you just can't ride as much, you know. And I do, I do like the word rhythm. I didn't think of that word, but the the word I do like to use is just discipline because discipline means you are going to be consistent when it's time to be consistent. But it also means that like, you know, on your recovery days, you're going to have the discipline to actually recover and rest and, and leave your bike alone for a day or two. And it, it means that like in the winter, you know, you're going to have the discipline to do a complimentary sport to kind of help, um, it, you know, help, help keep things, keep things fun and so forth. And, um, and, and I think with discipline, it means you're going to be consistent when, when that's important. And it means you're going to, um, you know, have the, have the prudence to let your body heal and let your mind heal when that's necessary too. So I like the idea of, uh, doing another sport during the winter. I've been trying to get Joe to ski for forever, but I, I did say complimentary sports. Complimentary. Oh. Are you coming to my rescue here, Dan? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Down <laughs> downhill. But, and you know, I, like it's not just a physical thing, which it is mental too, right? Like I think it's, it's probably pretty rare to find a 16 year old kid who has like the mental maturity to handle just riding your bike every single day. Um, and I like, and really quick to go back to the pro, I just thought of a really funny story I read one time, um, you know, cause people always say, Oh, I see pros do this all the time. Why can't I? Right. And I, I have to reiterate to people so often that professional cycling is a job. It's, it's like, I go to work nine to five and work in healthcare sales. You go to work nine to five and, and work in door sales. You go to work nine to five and you're a, a teacher, right? Pros go to work 24 hours a day, 365 days a year to be physically as good as they can be. And I read a story one time where, where Chris Froome was saying to somebody, he just had his first kid, he and his wife. And if you're not familiar, Chris, Chris Froome, four-time Tour de France champion. Um, and he, he said to a reporter or something like, oh, you know, it's, it's been rough for my wife. She's up with a kid all the time. And some people were like, well, just your wife, you know, you're not helping out or whatever. And somebody asked his wife about it. And she said, oh, no, well, it's Chris's job is to get a good night's sleep you know, he has to recover to be able to, to do his job. And so that, that was the thing I knew going into a relationship with him is I'm marrying a professional cyclist. His job pervades every single aspect of his life. You know, he has to eat perfectly. He has to sleep perfectly. And so she was like, oh yeah, I'm marrying him. I know that he does not get up and help the kids at night. That's part of his job, you know? And like, no matter how good you think you are, no matter how good you think your discipline is, and no matter how hard you think you can work, until you make it your job, you're not going to be able to train like a professional cyclist because you have to have everything lined up um, in your, like, to be able to allow you to do that effectively. I love that story. You know, and it's, it's interesting because the, the people listening to this, until you're retired, this is probably the closest you'll ever get to having the lifestyle of a pro, you know, where you know, you're, you're enjoy it now. Yeah. Life goes downhill. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, this is kind of an opportunity to really, you know, kind of 
if you ever have a chance to kind of push things, it's, it's now because life is going to get in the way and, and things are going to have to change. So, you know, I think it's cool that you can kind of make the most of this when, you know, you have the best sponsors in the world that provide room, board, food, bikes, transfer. Yeah, if you're going to play a professional cyclist, it's either now or after you close your dental practice in 45 years. You know, those are your two <laughs> options. So, but that, that actually kind of leads me into something I wanted to talk about next. Um, um, I was, I was listening to a, a podcast that Colby Pierce did, uh, quite a while ago and I'm just kind of going vaguely off memory. I don't, I don't remember the details too well, but he, um, he's done some training from Paul check and you keep saying these names like I or anybody else know who you're talking about. <laughs> Colby Pierce is like the EF. I know who Colby Pierce okay. is. I didn't know the, do you have like trading cards or something? Like the Colby <laughs> Pierce rookie card? <laughs> Don't act like you wouldn't buy those. That's worth 82 cents on eBay. <laughs> but, um, but Paul check has these, he, he has this, this, this advancement of an athlete that, that was kind of interesting. I thought we might just talk about it a little bit like different stages that different athletes go through. And, um, and how it kind of relates to us. So the first stage he calls is a, is the child phase. And this is where, you know, you're just kind of still learning about the sport. You might not, you know, it's kind of like you're hoping you might like it, but you're not sure that you do. Um, you don't really know all the ins and out. This is like when you, you know, when you like, show up to ride and realize you're the only ones that still has tubes in your tires or something, you know, um, oh, how embarrassing. Oh man, we've all been there, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of times people in the child phase of, of the sport are like, you know, they're not as ambitious. It's just something they kind of do maybe to kind of just check off the box, you know, cause their friends do it. So, so that's, that's the first phase of athlete development or check it off because it's what their fiance does. Yeah. Well, you know, Tessa loves me very much and she puts up with cycling for my sake. So the, the next phase is the warrior phase, which this is the phase where like the athletes kind of seek to just optimize every aspect of performance. Like they're getting the, the, the nicest golf clubs, you know, yeah, like. they're, you know, they get, this is when you're starting to get the night, you know, you're, you're realizing the benefits of a carbon rim over an okay. aluminum rim. So or, we're only doing bike here. Okay. All okay. Right. Well, yeah. Or you can do golf. I want to do stuff. other sports. It's not just cycling. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. These, these apply to all sports, um, you know, where they're, where they start, you know, being concerned about their training and their nutrition and they start kind of doing everything to just develop as much as they can as an athlete. Um, they, they take their performance really, really serious at this stage. At this stage, the athletes really, really need guidance. You know, they actually want guidance. They want to have structure. They want to, um, you know, they want to have kind of a plan to follow. They want to know what to do. They want to learn. Um, oh yeah. And, and this phase is interesting because this phase for some people might only last a few years, but there's other people that can, that can maintain the warrior phase their entire life. Like, you know, like, like obviously Nino's still in the warrior phase. Um, like Johnny Osgathorpe, you know, he's, he's still a warrior. Um, you know, there's, I, I would say most of the kids listening to this podcast are very much warriors. Um, 
The next phase is kind of like, I don't think is super relatable. He calls it the king and queen phase, which is more like when you actually become like a, a known athlete with, with like followers and, and, and people helping you and a team and, and so forth. That's the next phase. The, the phase after that, he calls the wise man or woman, which rather than like, you know, this is someone that's 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 been a warrior that's been a that's been a king or a queen and and then you know they they scale things back and they kind of take on more of a role of a mentor or a teacher or a coach or um which which i thought was kind of interesting you know because like like you know it's, it's always been such a concern of ours that so many nike kids you know they they're on fire during nike season you know once they graduate yeah, they check. burn fast, burn bright, burn quick. Yeah, they check that box off. They're done. They just don't even don't even do it at all anymore. I mean, it's just so rare to see. You just don't see enough post Nike kids at I cups. And, and I was I was tell people I think I was twelfth overall in varsity my senior year. By my count, at one point, and this may have changed. It was like ten of the kids above me just don't really ride anymore, almost at all. You know, which is a bummer because like once you build up these skills, even if you take a few years off, you're still have a huge head start on anyone else. Like you have, I mean, the ability gets rusty, but it never really goes away. Just a shame that people spend so much time sharpening the stick and figuring out how to do this and then just kind of stop. Yeah. And so, and that's really kind of what I hope people just kind of plan on. My, my, my ultimate vision of, of Maybird really is that like all my top writers right now that are listening you know, I really hope that, you know, after you're through with high school and you're going to college that you kind of become a mentor and a coach and, and, you know, you kind of be, you, you stay involved, you know, in, in the sport in that way, you know, because it, it's just such an awesome experience to be able to, to help other people, to work with other writers. It keeps me fit to be able to, you know, I stay fit just so I can ride with some of these kids I love to ride with, you know. I will say Joe got me into racing really early on in my biking uh, career and um, I, it kind of burnt me out really quick and I, I soon realized that for me biking's not about racing it's just about going out and having fun so I think you can do biking as well without the racing aspect of it. Yeah what are, you, what are your thoughts on that Dan I'm curious because yeah. we're obviously proponents of racing but like our like Jacob uh, the second Draper brother that you maybe don't see quite as much. He puts in as many hours as I do. He's a better rider than I am, but he's just not motivated by racing at all. I think maybe for some people, do you think racing can be counterproductive to your motivation to cycle? Yeah, I don't, you don't have to race. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever said that you do have to race. You know, I just, <laughs> I think it's good for you. To, I, to I like it personally. Really good for, and for a lot of people, it's it, motivation. It gives me something to get ready for. And I do think it's really important for me to have something that I'm preparing for. Cause like we talked about not long ago, you know, if you don't really have any goals, it feels like you're working a dead end job. You know, if you're just kind of right. just going on a ride for, you know, it, it, um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be racing, you know? Well, and, and like, like the Gibbons twins we were talking about earlier, I get chills every time I see them win a race together. Like it is so cool to see people stand on top of the podium and be like, you know, like I am the best youth cyclist in Utah today, you know, to achieve that. But as cool as that is, I I think I'd get an even bigger chill like looking into a crystal ball and seeing into the future and seeing the Gibbons twins still riding in their fifties. 
and teaching their kids how to ride. Well, and I think they're riding their fifties. I don't want to see them riding in their when they're twenty five or thirty. You know, and actually, you know, that's that's probably true. You know, that like um, I I don't ride bikes because I get paid. I I, mean, I do the I get the opposite. You know, like, I don't ride bikes just because it's fun. Because a lot of I mean, video games are fun. You know, like I, I people are always like, oh, is it fun? I'm like, it's fun, but that's not. You know, like I do it because it makes my life better, and that's why it's tragic when people stop doing this. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think it needs to be either either fun or rewarding because it, it definitely isn't always fun. You know, if, oh, no. if you're expecting to have fun every single time. Tessa, you, do you have fun every single time we ride together? No. <laughs> but it, it's always rewarding. And like, like I like to ride the trainer a lot in the winter. I don't do that because it's fun. I do it because it helps me stay healthy and fit and, and I find it rewarding and I always feel good after I do it, you know? Um, with the exceptions of the rides where you crash, you feel better after every single bike ride. Yeah. I can't think of an exception. You know, um, you know, this, this really is, this sport I just think is something that can, that should help us all be healthier, happier people. You know, and there's other ways to be healthy, happy people. It was funny when we were driving to the race, Amy and I went to the race together and we were driving in this big, huge pickup truck drove past us with a trailer full of ATVs and they passed us and, and Amy goes, dad, why can't we be that family? What was it? Amy said the other day, she said, she said, I wish we were a, I wish we were a golf family. I wish I was born into a golfing family. (laughs) Poor girl, but yeah, it's, she'll get over it. She can go on a bike ride and it'll make you feel better. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, hopefully it's fun, and usually it's fun, and you know, and and, and generally you should be having fun, but it should be rewarding. It really should it be, has rewarding. To be rewarding yeah. for it to happen long term. Exactly. Um, we've talked a lot about you know your reason why you do it and so forth, um, but I was you know I was thinking about it you know. Do you ever have, so what if you do have a day where you just don't feel like writing? You know, you're just kind of like, I can't, I don't know how to answer that question. I, no, I mean like today I didn't feel like writing. I did, I did, a, you know, Tessa said I did like three different rides yesterday, tired, got to bed way too late. And I had to wake up today and I was like, I probably could go out on a ride if, if, you know, like if you wanted to, but like, um, yeah, like, I mean, there, I think there's some days where you don't feel like it, but mm-hmm. I, I have such a rewarding relationship with cycling that unless I'm, I'm really physically run down, I'm always going to prefer to go on a bike ride to not. And actually, I feel bad when I don't. I have like, what, whatever the opposite of like a reward mechanism is, you know, like on a, like if there's a beautiful summer day and I'm not completely annihilated physically and I don't ride, I'm like, I just wasted a day, you know, like... My, and I'm not saying that's good. You know, like I, my psychology is so messed up that if I spent all day at a soup kitchen, you know, saving orphans from burning, you know, buildings or whatever, I'd be like, oh, I didn't ride today. That sucks. You know, which is not know. exactly the point I was trying to get did I, at. Did we just do a tangent? I'm sorry. A little bit. I can cut that if you want. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, you know, you know, we talked a little bit about like consistency and I, I like to use the word discipline. You know, if, if you're trying to be disciplined and it's a day where you're kind of like, you know, I'm just not feeling it. My advice to you would, because I know that's, that happens to normal people, um, unlike the normal person sitting across from me. But, um, <laughs> it's nice we have a normal, our special guest today is a normal person who's well adjusted. <laughs> so, but yeah, that, that happens. You know, you have your days where, you know, like I, I should ride 
I don't feel like it. And, and my advice, you know, if you have those days, just get yourself to go out and ride for 15 minutes super easy. And if after 15 minutes you start feeling better, go for it. Do your thing. If after 15 minutes you're still not feeling it, you know what? Take a day off. You're good. Um, usually, once you get started, you're going to be feeling better and you're going to go for it and you're going you're gonna to complete the workout. But at least get started. Sometimes getting started, always getting started is kind of the hardest part, you know? And so if you're, if you're struggling with motivation on a particular day, you know, if this is just kind of a, a one day motivation thing, just go out, give it a try. After 15 minutes of riding easy, if you're not feeling it, you know, take a day off. There's no shame in taking a day off. I have two thoughts here. One, and like, this is something I've struggled with and continue to struggle with. Like not every ride has to be a death march. You know, you don't have to suffer insanely hard every single time you ride your bike. And the second is like, if you're listening to this on the off chance that somebody's listening to this, you're like, you know, I'm riding one day a week. I should do more. Don't do four next week. Do two and then two and then maybe three. Like, you know, focus on sustainability has got to be the primary focus here. You know, like I, what you do in a week or two has no impact on your life. What you do over the next few years does. So, you, you know. know, and really just to kind of bring everything back to our, our main topic of the Goldilocks principle of, you know, just of moderation. Um, you know, if you do think that you might be doing too much, don't just kill it. You know, just back things off a little bit to more sustainable. On the flip side, uh, go if you're riding six days a week, try five. Don't go to two. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, just just kind of throttle things back a little bit to a more sustainable level, um, but you don't have to just completely fall off the cliff. You can just if, and I honestly think if you just kind of adjust things so you're doing things at like a more moderate and and sustainable pace, you know, things you're gonna have most of the time if you're doing too much, it's slowing you down. And and just and another thing to throw out: if there are any other people listening to this who are arrogant sociopaths like me. Um, like it's okay to not ride seven days a week. And it doesn't mean that you're a less special gifted, hardworking person. Like, I think for me, it was almost like my personality was based around the fact that I had the willpower to ride that much. Um, I think if you look at it, like take an average person off the street, it's going to be moving mountains to get them to exercise 30 minutes a day, twice a week, you know, like riding your bike, you know, going on like a mountain bike ride three, four times a week makes you an exorbitantly active person, you know, like, it's okay to back it off a little bit. And frankly, like if you look at the course of your entire life, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't care how special you think you are. You cannot train 20 hours a week from now until you die. Like that, it won't happen. You can think it will happen, um, but it won't. And what will inevitably happen is a year and a, a year from now, two, maybe three, you won't ride bikes anymore. Like you're not a loser for backing it off a little bit now if it means you can do it longer. Yeah, that's you well know. said. Is, I that, is that fair? That's, yeah, I like okay. how you said that. Yeah, you know, so so don't ride too little, don't ride too much. Don't train with too much intensity, don't train with too little. Sweet spots are amazing. I'm I'm a big believer in in moderation. You know, I think, you know, like, you know, I mean, that's just kind of how I am with a lot of things and I think that um that that can really apply to cycling, you know, they'll make it more sustainable and and fun and happy. So, um I yeah, I think we're that's all I have. Fantastic. Well, uh, appreciate everybody listening. Thank you for being our, our special guest, Tessa. Um, if, uh, if our audience approves, we'll have you back again. Um, if you guys have any questions, you know where to send them. Be sure to ride safe this week, and we will talk to you next Sunday.